Oh, no, officer. I didn't kill him. Santa did it. Didn't you, Santa? Didn't you? We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And uh, I hope I'd, I would say I hope you enjoyed our conversation about Monsterland uh, last week. But um, we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hope you did not um, uh, get showered in angel blood. I don't know. That was weird. It was really weird. It was really weird. So, <laughs> I mean, hopefully uh, you can forgive us for the the, the sound of the content too, because I'm I'm remote. Uh, now and I was remote then, so uh, we're trying to keep it safe this time of year because you know the sickness is coming down on all of us. I don't know what that means, but you know. I just, I just, you're like, like the distance. You're like my my emotional distance after being battered because of Monsterland. That's why. No, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> oh right. Anyway, um, so yeah, moving on to more lighter fare. Uh, we're getting in. This is our holiday episode for the year. Um, and this, just to let everybody know, this is a, a podcast which talk about the Twilight Zone. We've covered the original series and then two seasons of the Jordan Peele produced uh, CBS All Access, Paramount Plus, blah, 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 blah. Go check that out. Um, and we'll have some news at the end concerning what we're doing next. But right now, we're going to be talking about Tales from the Crypt, uh, the HBO series. It's season one, episode two, and all through the house. Uh, we've covered some Tales from the Crypt previously. We did uh, we did one for a Valentine's Day, ep- Day episode what was it like two years ago? It was when we were in the middle of season four of the original Twilight Zone series. Uh, Valentine's Day of last year. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was um, the thing from the grave, season two, episode six. Yeah. And uh, that was the, something I brought to the table because you know love was in the air, and I felt like it was a great love story. And it was. Uh, so now we're going to do a holiday one. So, but yeah, we talked about Tales from the Crypt previously on the show. Um, we, we enjoy it. Uh, I'm sure this will not be the last time we get to it. So yeah. Um, air date for it all through the house was the most festive time of year, June 10th, 1989. Uh, number one song was wind beneath my wings by Bette Midler. Um, yeah. Uh, and then number one fil- uh, film was star Trek five, the final frontier, uh, considered by everybody to be the worst goddamn star Trek film ever made. <laughs> I have, I have nothing to bring to the table uh, when it comes to Star Trek and and the the adaptations for for movies. Um, so I don't. I was it trash? Was it was it as bad as everybody thought? I have not seen it in forever. But so um, with with the release of Star Trek Four, um, the Voyage Home, which uh, I think it was directed by Leonard Nimoy, it made um, it made a lot of money. It was kind of like a fun 
like time travel adventure. Uh, and then um, there was this weird contract clause that everything that Nimoy uh, got to do, um, Shatner got to do. So he was like, well, I want to direct a Star Trek film. So he directed five and it's just not good at all because he doesn't know how to direct and the story isn't good. So that after that, um, like they ended up making one more full Star Trek film with the original cast called um, The Undiscovered Country, which is awesome. But like five is like no one talks about five for good reason. Hmm. Okay. So that's like the Superman part five. Sure. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's that whole thing about how like, um, you know, even numbered Star Treks are the best ones. It's just, that's not, that's not a given, but five is five is bad. <laughs> so hmm. yeah, it was not, a, it was like, that was the number one film. So everyone's like, let's go watch Star Trek. And then they walked out. They're like, we shouldn't watch Star Trek. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there was plenty of other good movies. 89 was actually a really good year for film in general. Yeah, so, no, that's um, fair. Um, and and also considering the fact, like I said, uh, Voyage Home did so well, like why wouldn't you go see the next Star Trek film, right? So, um, yeah. So that that's what was uh, music and film. And then also what I had for the this day of June 10th, 89, uh, the uh, Cochrane Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. cancels a Robert Maplethorpe uh, photography exhibition called Robert Maplethorpe, the perfect moment due to its sexually explicit content. Uh, Maplethorpe had passed away of AIDS in March of 89. So I don't know if you're familiar with Maplethorpe's work. Um, very, very evocative, like very, like, um, a lot, you know, very sexually charged, a lot of leather, uh, like, you know, the guy was you know, obviously a master photographer, but he was pushing boundaries. And I don't know if it was canceled just because, um, there was that still, um, weird, like stigmatism, like around sexuality and AIDS. Like, and I, you know, I'm not an expert on this. I just remember like, you know, that was like the big, the big boogeyman was AIDS in the eighties. So the fact that he had passed away just a couple months previously, I'm going to guess that, you know, um, people were like, Nope, got to cancel this because, you know, fear, I don't know why, but yeah. I, uh, it, it's really, I actually have never heard of this gentleman before, but I love the artwork. Um, it's actually really cool. Yeah. This is kind of considering I know that you like Barker, Clive Barker's artwork and things like you could see how, like, you know, you could see Barker having a, a coffee table book of Mablethorpe stuff, you know, like yeah, that's, yeah. he did a lot of punk rock stuff too. So that's yeah. cool. Like, I mean, this is really interesting stuff. So yeah, it, it's, it's a bummer that he got, um, I don't know, kind of, blacklisted because of that maybe i don't know i mean i just i you know i didn't do a ton of research in this i just remember at the time like not i mean i was what 11 uh, maybe uh, 10 or 11 uh so i wasn't like you know hey mom talk, talk to me about robert maplethorpe now and she's like just shut up or you can't go see star trek 5 so i didn't win either way there <laughs> um no it was um you know it just i remember like like it's just you know how like when you think back in your past when you're growing up and there's things kind of on the periphery, like you see something on TV as a kid or you hear something and it's just, you know, just, you know, you don't understand it, but you, you were, you know, you were aware of it. And I, I was aware of Maplethorpe, not that like I was like watching it on TV or whatever, but he, it was, you know, it was controversy at the time. So the, the, like that was the only thing I wanted. I mean, not that I wanted to bring it up, but of all the news I could find, I thought this was interesting just because of, like, cause it is very, um, much in line with the day and date in which this episode tales from the crypt was released. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're considering the eighties and the scares that were going on in that. But, yeah. uh, yeah. So, um, and to the rest of, uh, the information about the episode, pri uh, 
proper here. Um, our director on this is uh, Mr. Robert Zemeckis. Uh, people might know him for doing uh, Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3, as well as um, Forrest Gump. And one of my personal favorites, uh, a good sex comedy, if anybody's interested in watching it, Use Cars. Oh, I've hilarious. not seen that forever. Yeah. Yeah, so, th- I mean... I, I think it's hilarious. It might be not. It might not be everybody's cup of tea. But if you're a fan of like films like Porky's and Revenge of the Nerds, it it might be up your alley. I don't know. Is that is that with Tim Robbins? Is that who's in that or no? No. Uh, um, oh my god. Uh, what's his face? Uh, oh my god. Kurt Russell. Why, why, is Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell in that? In it. Yeah. Okay. Kurt Russell is in that film. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever seen that. I just know that I, you know, there's people that I, you're not the only person to bring up this movie to me and say that you liked it a lot. I, I think it's hilarious, but it's again, a, a, a part of its time. So like if you can get around some of the weird things that are going on in it and it's kind of, it's, it's not a great film, but it's definitely a funny film. So. Fair enough. And what I think of Zemeckis, like, I mean, of course you think of back to the future and, like it's not that he I mean, he's forged his own path, uh, but it's it's kind of weird when we talk about like how innovative and um, like Spielberg was. But and Zemeckis is brought up, but you know I think it's you know people don't all his name doesn't always come to mind when we think of this time and the things he done he's done, and then he would go on later to do a lot of work in animation. And, you know, uh, for varying degrees of success, but people, people love like the Polar Express with Tom Hanks cold dead eyes in that movie, but whatever. But Zemeckis has kind of done a lot for a lot of things that we love pop culture wise. And I think that it's important because, you know, you, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people thought that Spielberg directed the Back to the Future movies. Right. I mean, his fingerprints were all over it, but, you know, uh, Zemeckis is, he's always been there. And, like guiding all these films. I mean, who would ever forget about uh, who framed Roger Rabbit as well? That's so. right. I for, yeah, duh, you're right. So, um, yeah, I just think it's important to note, like, the, like, and have him do some TV. Um, like, even though this is HBO, which is you know cable, but like, that's you know, you're getting you're getting a huge name in this, and um, the directing in this is obviously superb. Um, the opening shot of this, like that slow pan across the house, is awesome. And some of the ways yeah. that he uses the camera setups to show what you as the audience need to see. There's, there's some inventive things going on here that I like. No, he's great. And honestly, like his producer work is incredible as well. He was the executive producer on the entire series. And he also produced uh, things like 13 Ghosts, the remake of that, and Castaway, and House on Haunted Hill, the remake as well. So, I mean, he... He is an incredible talent and in, like in everything he ever touches, like you can, can see that he is masterful in everything he ever touches. Yeah. So I just, it was, I think it was worthy of a uh, shining a light on him. Not that, not that like, like I, I hope he's out there and being like, I just hope there's these two guys that I don't know on this podcast is talking about me. Cause I could really use a win right now, you know, like <laughs> as he rolls yeah. around and all his money, you know, like I just uh, really hope g- those guys g- in give, Ohio, a, yeah. give us a like Robert. You know? <laughs> Bob, can I call you Bob? Um, I know we're friends now, but yeah, if you could really like support the show and tell others about, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, Bob Z, come on, yeah, yeah, Bobby Z, yeah, Zemex, <laughs> what's up, Zemex? You know, we're boys now, right? Yeah, 
Right. Why don't you go to that Polar and then, Express um, and come up to Cleveland? All right, now continue. <laughs> right. Um, so this is weird. So into our writer credits, we go here. So the uh, the creator of, I guess, the the series would be uh, Stephen Dodd. And that's it. Like, that's the only credit I ever found for this guy. So that one seemed a little confusing to me. I don't know if it was a fact that, like, he just created the series, like, brought it to the table, or hmm. he wrote any of the episodes. I didn't, there was no specifying of what his um, input was. But um, as far as the screenplay is considered, though, that is done by a Mr. Fred Decker. Um, people might know him for doing the directing and writing of Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad. And he also wrote uh, one of my favorite horror films from the 80s, House, if yeah. you've ever seen it. Uh, but, I mean, the, the first thing you mentioned, I, I did not do research, but do you think maybe they're the ones that wrote part of the segment on the, the, the film, uh, Tales from the Crypt, like that segment? And all it's the possible, but yeah. it, it the way it looks here on IMDb, it looks like they created the series, which oh. doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I thought that was just something because it says from uh, Tales from the Crypt writer from 89 to 96. Hmm. That's that's what their IMDb, uh, IMDb says. 93 uh, episodes credited hmm. as I, credit I, uh, as creator rather. OK, well, so I sure confused. Um, <laughs> No, but Fred Decker's another one of those guys that, like, um, if you if you grew up in the 80s and you watched, like, cool stuff, like, Decker was involved in it, you know? Like, it just, um, the Monster Squad's a lot of fun, right? And you yeah. can't, like, yeah. Again, you're bringing in another powerhouse that also wrote a really tight script because there's a lot that goes on in this, like, less than 20 minutes. Yeah. And Fred Decker, I mean, I think people would know from Predator as well, so... I mean, the guy, as far as the genre is considered, especially in the 80s, this is the man. Like, if you ever want to meet at somebody at a con and give them a big thank you, meet Fred Decker. Mm -hmm. But um, the other writer credit I found here was a, a Johnny Craig. Uh, Johnny Craig was, um, he was credited for writing the initial story for Vault of Horrors. Um, and that was back in, I'm sorry to say probably, what was it? 54? I think it was. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy was part of that whole series of writing for Vault of Horrors and Tales from the Crypt. And like, I don't, I, I hadn't done a whole lot of research about the gentleman, but like he did the illustrating and he did the writing for it. So he was full on in the loop when it comes to EC comics. Hmm. Okay. I, I have nothing and, else to add there either. I, you're right. I'm, um, I've been caught flat-footed. I am a hack and a fraud. No, no, you're good. Um, and so to our cast we go, and I think you might have some t uh, little tidbits of knowledge here. Uh, we have to make sure that we always bring up the creeper, the the crypt keeper himself, John Kassir. Uh Tons of voice work. I mean, all kinds of cartoons. The dude is still working. I don't know if you wanted to bring anything to the table in particular. I know we talked about him uh, a year and a half ago at this point. Yeah, that's. I mean, I figured we'd already discussed it, so I didn't put any other notes. But of course, it's it's the Crypt Keeper. How do you not know who the, this voice is iconic, right? And Kasir does a great job with it. Hell yeah, a cool dude too. If anybody gets a chance to meet him, really really cool guy. And then uh, next here we have Mary Ellen uh, Trainer. Uh, she plays. Elizabeth, 
So if you're uh, following on any uh, bits of IMDb, you have to make sure that you uh, listen or watch the episode because her name's Elizabeth in the episode. Yeah, it they took don't me put a second. that in IMDb. Yeah, because it's just listed as wife. And I'm like, wait a second. And then watching the episode the second time through, I'm like, oh, she says her name once. So I had to yeah. make sure. Changed all my notes because it was much better to say Elizabeth versus wife because that sounds like I'm being very just like derogatory of like, I don't know, wife ran outside. Yeah. So and then here we get into the connective tissue as well um, for all the things that like we just mentioned recently. Um, Goonies. She was in the Goonies. Um, She was in Lethal Weapon, all four of the films. Um, And she was also in Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie, please. Um, and she's also in Scrooge, which is also a Christmas movie. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, very much, uh, again, like I, very recognizable. Uh, she does a good job here, but you're right. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of movies I love growing up and she's in them. And I, it's what, it's not that she like, I, you know, it's not that she's forgettable cause she's not, it's just that I, uh, it's not, she's not one that comes to the top of my mind when I think of these, these, you know, projects, but I'm glad that she's in them and she does a good job here. Yeah, I mean, I think she's uh, very recognizable. I mean, if oh, you've seen sure. any of those movies, you'd know who the hell she is right off the bat. Yeah. So, and then uh, next here we have Marshall Bell, uh, his husband, Joseph. Um, he was in Total Recall and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And Stand By Me, one of my personal favorites. Nice. Yeah, I, I looked through his work. He's still, I think he's still working. Uh, he has a lot yep. of work and I saw Nightmare 2. Yeah, um, just to point out that uh, I think the opening credits in the episode actually last longer than he does in this episode, but we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> right. So, uh, and next credit here, we have uh, Larry Drake. He plays Santa. 144 episodes of L.A. Law. He was in Darkman 1 and 2, and most notably here, Dr. Giggles. Not most no- He was Durant and Darkman. That's most notable. I'm, I'm kidding. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that it's a better connection to Dr. Giggles for this, for this uh, discussion. Fair here. enough. Uh, but yeah, the big thing with LA law with him playing uh Benny Stolwitz uh, for as many episodes is that uh, he, if I recall, I want to say either he was developmentally disabled or had down syndrome as a character. And it was like very like breakthrough at the time to have a prominent character in a show in that position. And he got a lot of accolades and did, you know, it's like, I, like, I know that there could, if, if that was done today, people would be like, well, why don't you have a differently abled person actually play the role, which that's the right call. Right. But it's also important to make sure that there, you know, there's representation in terms of characters too. like, then I think it was a bold move. Now I think he can handle it differently and still have a bold move. But I think that was important to show, you know, Hey, there's not just pretty people all the time, pretty perfect people, or as society views them in every single role in a TV show in terms of a character. So I think that's, it's important to note that, you know, I think he did a lot of good playing Benny. Fair enough. Yeah. I've never seen the series. Um, uh, I might have to check it out. I, I mean, it obviously was a long running show. So, but uh, yeah. So uh, next here we have uh, Lindsay Whitney Barry playing Carrie Ann. Only three acting credits. Um, I I I I think there was something familiar here. Oh, she was in. She played a bit role in Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it for her career. 
Yeah. Um, so then the other, other person I had here listed uh, just was uh, Johnny Coates uh, as police officer. He's the voice only credit. Um, sure. Um, but what I mentioned here too, Larry Drake was also in another episode of Tales from the Crypt. So I think that's worthy of note. Uh, music by Alan Silvestri. Uh, he actually scored seven episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, Back to the Future, uh, Predator, The Avengers, uh, in, uh, Endgame, and Infinity War. Like, so got a rep- the music here is pretty good too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Uh, especially with our opening music. So uh, maybe we'll get right into that. Well, so. first, I got another one for you here. Cinematography oh. by uh, Dean Cundy. Dean Cundy. Only crypt episode he actually did. He's currently working on the Book of Boba Fett that's coming out here uh, in a couple of days. Uh, Apollo 13, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future Trilogy, and Terry, Halloween 3, your favorite Halloween movie of the series. I don't know about the best, but, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I do like it a lot. <laughs> when I saw the name, I'm like, why do I know that name? So I had to kind of dig in a little bit. And I, and it's like, he's also like, and, and there's that current connection of like, at the time of this uh, recording, we're very close to the release of the book of Boba Fett. So, um, you know, I'm excited. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm ready for it. But, uh, yeah, so that's all of our, uh, our credits here. Uh, I don't know if you added anything else there or you want to get right into the story. I, 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 like there were so many people in this episode. Um, for once I was thankful to be like, Oh, there's only like four people on screen. This is going to be great. Um, so, so yeah, um, we have the wraparound. We got the Crypt Keeper wearing a Santa mask that I think is even scarier than his normal face because of the way it sits on his face. Uh, he, um, introduces the the story at hand and then we get the actual segment credits which i made the joke last longer than marshall bell but we get there's this nice idyllic warm like almost like it's christmas eve and we see the shot outside through the window from like the living room but we see the well we see the wood pile with the axe and then the camera slowly moves across the the tree all the other decorations um, you hear like the crooning Christmas music. It's like, it is like, um, idyllic, you know, Christmas vibe. And you, and there's something about the way that low light setting with the glowing of like the lights and the ornaments that you're automatically in, you know, this Christmas vibe. And it's like, it's very, um, very safe and secure for all of 30 seconds. Especially when you consider that they open up with Nat King Cole's the Christmas song. Yeah. So it's like you're, you're put right in your little comfort zone. This is, Oh, this is going to be great. We're going to sit down with the family. We're going to enjoy some good, wholesome family entertainment. (laughs) And, (laughs) and we get, um, a poker, a fire poker to the head of some character. So yeah. Um, the husband, uh, Joseph, is asking for the poker to stoke the fire a little bit, trying to get it going a little bit more. And Elizabeth just buries it right in his skull. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> it was just within like moments though. It's like, you see her grab the poker and kind of like pace around. And he was like, well, let me have it. And she's like, all right. And just blonk, like just right in the head. Just like, um, it, it, um, you know, knowing it's tales from the crypt and this is 89, you know, like we know that this wasn't like, you know, R rated TV, right? This is taboo television for its time, but my gosh, like, it's like, well, there's no time wasted here. Uh, he's clocked in the head. Um, you know, he starts bleeding and, uh, and then suddenly, uh, the, the daughter, uh, Carrie Ann, uh, who somehow survived going through a TV to the other side is now back in this house. Um, 
she uh, she's like, oh, like Santa's coming or whatever. And, and she's and the mom's like, and, and Elizabeth's like, no, like just we got to go back upstairs. And she's like, well, what's, what's up with Joseph? Like, why, like, why didn't, like, why isn't he talking or whatever? And, and the mom's like, well, he's asleep. <laughs> and like, <laughs> there's that black comedy from the jump where it's like, you see the silhouette of the husband on the couch. Right. And then slowly he just like slumps forward as like, they're talking it like, I, it's, it's very much black comedy and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and so this, um, for context too, uh, not only is this derived from the original Bolt of Horrors yes. uh, storyline, but this was also a film adaptation from '72, um, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, it uh, the character is the main character of the the wife is played by Joan Joan Collins, and that one <clears throat> it's a great story in itself too, and it's a wonderful movie. And uh, what is it, Amicus? I think yes, Amicus, Amicus is the producers. Yeah. Um, great, great movie. So if anybody has the time, uh, please watch that. But this is the first story in that um, anthology movie. And it's this is a little bit more gruesome compared to that. But, man, is it a wonderful film. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like uh, – I, I like that the thing starts off with like a mean streak going from like the jump, uh, no time's wasted, but yeah, uh, she takes her daughter upstairs and they talk about Santa for a minute and how, um, the girl can't go to sleep and cause she's so excited. And, um, and the, she's like, Oh, you know, the mom's like, well, I'll open the window a little bit just to you know, get some air in here for you. But like, she makes the comment of like, of all the things you wanted for Christmas, you know, it's not a cold. Um, and so they talk for a second, like, well, mom, what do you want for Christmas? And she pauses and she just kind of smiles. She's like, I think I already got it. And, and, um, I also want to point out that she takes the bloody poker with her upstairs and sets it by the door frame of the daughter's bedroom. Um, of all the things that pay off in this episode that never did. Did, did you notice that? I know. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. And yeah. I, I think that especially in 89, I think they have enough knowledge of, uh, uh, DNA, they probably shouldn't have done that. Well, I mean, just considering that how the, the, the finale plays out, like, you know, I thought the, I thought the Chekhov's poker would show up again. You know, I thought there would be, you know, anyway, but you're right. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I'm just going to leave blood all over the house and just hope for the best, you know, just, transferable DNA, probably yeah. not a good idea. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then that's whenever we get, uh, her, uh, Elizabeth calling, uh, her new flame and admitting to the crime, which again, it's, it's, um, you know, you're calling, um, you know, an answering machine that's also documentable. Also when you made the phone call is documentable, <laughs> you know, like you could, this is all stuff that you could track back then, but whatever tales from the crypt isn't all it's about like, you know, how are these people going to get punished for being stupid? Right. And punish. yeah. Um, yeah. Punish. But, yes. <laughs> punish. Um, but even then, like when she's talking to the, uh, the voice of the, like the message machine, she says, I know you told me not to call. It's like, and you still did. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like that the, the answer she messaged was like, oh, so, so I'm not here right now. But leave your name and uh, measurements. And I'll get right back to you. It's like, Ugh. like I'm probably partying right yeah, now. Like, <laughs> probably cheating on you right now with another woman that's killed her husband. Good chow. And he hangs up the phone or whatever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So, uh, yeah. So that, at that point, um, 
we, uh, you know, we get to the whole thing of her having to try to like dispose of the body. And that's a little bit of fun, black humor, especially when she puts the bag over the husband's head and there's a, there's a bow on it. So that's kind of fun. Um, so her whole goal, her whole plan at this point is she wants to take the body out and dump it in the well. Uh, cause who's going to look there? Fair enough. Cause that well looks deep as all get out. Um, and then while she's doing this, there's some nice camera work to set up like you in the foreground with the radio in the foreground as she's struggling to take this body out. And we hear the, over the, like the radio broadcast about like, Oh, by the way, there's a madman running around in a Santa outfit. That's killing people in the area. Be on the lookout. And so we as the audience now know something that she doesn't. And again, that's really effective storytelling and really effective camera work to show you this without like, I mean, it's, it's not beating in the head, but it's letting the audience in on like one more factor of chaos is going to happen. And what is already a complicated night for her. Yeah. And you know, like we see her outside and we also see that the door is starting to move a little bit and move. And then all of a sudden it closes and we see the on that there's the purse in view and the keys are on top of the purse and the keys just drop. So it's already implied she's locked out. Well, but that's, that's, that doesn't make sense to me because she like that does come into play later, but she actually gets in the house after that one more time before getting locked out. Right. So I don't know if it was just showing that she's not paying attention to where keys are or that this, this door is like, you know, if it's showing that like this door can't be trusted to stay open, that's fine too. I mean, it works. It just, it feels weird to focus on the keys then when she can get, because I thought she was locked out from that point, but she wasn't, mm. you know, that's right. odd to me. It, yeah. It's definitely like one of those implements of like storytelling. Like if you look at your phone for a moment, then you're going to lose context. So that's fair. I mean, they, yeah. they, they are drawing your attention to the screen. Yeah. And, and they, actually I've seen this move, uh, this, um, story multiple times, but within the recent viewing, it's these little things. I'm like, Oh damn. I was like, of course these are really important to the storyline now. But when you, when you can uh, do the comparison to the 72 movie, there's, it's drawn out a little bit more. There's mm. more to um, envelop into that storyline where if you don't pay attention to this right now, then you're not going to get what the struggle is for that character at that moment. So let me just ask you this question. This is not necessarily related to this story, but when you said that you've seen this one multiple times and now small details are popping out at you, do you find right. yourself being, uh, you know, doing a podcast and talking to me and um, like examining things? Do you find yourself now drilling in on the details of like a lot of things that you watch? Are, are you like, um, or do you just kind of like sometimes like, are you able to turn off that, that, um, that part of your brain is kind of enjoy something as opposed to like tick, like ticking boxes of like, okay, I see this, this is going to come back later. I see this. Like, I feel like sometimes I, like I start to really dig in and sometimes I kind of miss the forest for the trees and I'm like, I should be enjoying this. I'm like, yeah, but does this all add up? Like, you know, no, I, I, I think to answer your question, um, I especially focus in on that stuff a lot more now being a podcaster, you know, especially in the format that we, you know, we put ourselves in, but like movies are there. There's a lot more to storytelling in movies now where they're challenging the audience. They want you to pay attention. So if there's that little bit of detail 
that you're going to miss because you looked at your text message for a millisecond, then you might lose some contacts. So even in that now, I find myself just watching movies a lot more. I'm being a lot more present okay. because of that too. That's fair. I think that's a valid, I think that's, um, I think that's also, I believe that's a good thing, but you're right. I just, you know, I was just curious cause there's times where, you know, sometimes I get a little like, I, I, I get to the habit sometimes where I'm starting watching things of like, well, if I'm going to talk about this later, as opposed to, Hey Paul, shut up and just watch it. Or how about this? Oh, shut up, Paul. And just watch <laughs> it, you know? So, uh, I just, yeah. Anyway, uh, brief aside over. So she goes out there, uh, <laughs> to try to take the body. And that's when we, um, that's when we meet Santa. Santa's there to say hello. And it's, 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 it's great. Yeah, so she's about to turn to grab the body again, and all of a sudden Santa is like right there in her face, and it's like, <laughs> I love this. He's like kooky. I, I I don't know. It 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 works because it's also derived from a comic book. Um, he's like, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's it's just really silly, and she just goes bonkers and just starts smacking him and hitting him and everything, and. Like she, she cuts him with a piece yes. of ice. Yeah. That icicle like cut is disgusting and well done. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I just love this interaction because it's like, it, it's silly, but it's also like really put into effect. Like this guy is insane looking, so you might want to get moving. So I, even in this storytelling compared to the original story, there are so many differences. Like the original is, it is fast paced. She wants to get the hell out of there and it is a very menacing character. He seems a lot more goofy in this story. So, well, cause I mean, um, he, he looks unhinged, right? Like, yeah. so and, the teeth, especially, oof, but, but also <laughs> all like, of them are unhinged. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, but like Larry Drake is capable of giving you that, like, that's, that's crazy. I don't want to nope. You know, <laughs> just, he was so good at just like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he was probably like the nicest guy in the world, but if you just saw him in the street, you're going to cross the street. You know what I mean? Like, like right. I don't know what that guy's doing, but I, you know, like he might cut so, my finger off with a cigar, a cigar cutter. I don't know. Yeah. And so then Elizabeth finally makes it back into the house, but yeah, um, she knocks him out. Right. So he's like out cold. Uh, not, and, no, not at this point. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. But she get, yeah, she gets back in the house and that's when she goes to call the police. Right. And she realizes she, like, like chops his chops his wrist. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause she's trying to get through the door. And so she, yeah, she gets him good. Um, and that's when she ca- tries to call the police and say, there's a madman here, but she's looking out the window and she's like, oh yeah, there's my dead husband. Maybe I shouldn't call the cops and bring them here. You know, like, so that sets up a running gag of her calling uh, emergency services and not quite getting there. Um, but then she, you know, as she's like considering what's going on, that's when she gets an actual phone call, right? From like the sheriff's department saying, Hey, just a heads up, there's a madman around and you should, you know, we're going to come check everybody out and it's going to be about 20 minutes. Right. And she starts to put two and two together and be like, well, if this guy's going around and killing people and I already have a pre-killed person, maybe I can make this work. Yeah. And this is a very similar to a, a, another discussion we had about that movie nightmares where it's like the folklore of like, always check your backseat. Oh yeah. Escape maniac on the loose. Um, 
Th- this is like along those lines, but like having the that call makes everybody aware. I actually it was even in another uh, discussion that we had. Um, uh, what was the? Oh my god, uh, Campfire Tales. Oh yeah, Sim- yeah. Similar, right. like, hey, beware, because escape maniacs. But um, well, I do like also that this it, like there's there, what what won me over with this aside from the fact that this is a beautifully shot. Um, wonderfully like execute a little episode. It's as nasty as I'll get out. And that's a lot of fun is that you now I, I like when there's conflict, uh, but there's like additional layers where she's, she's a bad person, right? Cause she's killed somebody. We don't, we don't know her reasons, but she's done it. I mean, other than she's cheating on her husband, blah, 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 blah. And she like, it, it, this could have been an episode of her. It could have been a comedy of errors the entire night, her trying to hide the body you know, like during Christmas Eve and it could have just been its whole thing. But then you add, and it could, there was all, this also could have been a story of a woman and her daughter waiting for Santa being accosted by a deranged Santa like at nighttime. And that would have been interesting too, like a home invasion story. And those would have been fine by themselves. But when you twist it and you have a bad person that realizes that, Hey, wait a second, I could take advantage of this even worse situation and possibly come out clean that's where this becomes a lot more fun for me because she's a bad person, but she's going to use an even badder situation to, to find her way out. Like there's some twisted logic there that I really enjoy. Yeah. Especially when she's going to use it to, like you said, like her advantage, like, Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Escape killer. Maybe. And then she goes outside and she takes the ax and she takes it to her dead husband at this point and buries it right in his skull, right where the, the wound was that she uh, created earlier with the, the fire poker. Yeah, that was, her, that was her first smart forensic move, right? Yeah. Is, it's, is and, make and, a wound and bigger and happen. worse, yeah, that you can't possibly trace it back to that fireplace poker. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's actually pretty decent thinking there. And that didn't happen in the original movie, but like, uh, kudos to her as a character because it's like, well, why not, right? I mean, they're I mean, already point, coming to investigate. Yeah, but also too, I like that like you like she missed twice <laughs> before she actually got it going, and that would have been me. I've been like, I'm gonna do this, and it's like, what would have happened is I wouldn't even got anywhere near the poker. Like I would have like been like, oh man, you've you've cut his arm off now. It's like, well, that's good. I've now made this worse. You know, <laughs> like it would have been, I, I don't trust me to dispose of your dead bodies. People like I'm, I'm talking from experience. Just kidding. <laughs> well, and even then, like there's a bit of like storytelling going on in the background because she props the door open with, uh, <laughs> like a, it's, it's a bucket full of umbrellas. Like how heavy yeah, is that it's an umbrella holder or, uh, you know, cane holder. And, um, yeah, it's the wind is somehow able to move that some bitch just enough to close that door on her when she makes that final blow to her husband's head. So, yeah, the door's locked now and she can't get back in, supposedly. Again. Well, that's, yeah, and that's when she actually You're right. Actually, I take that back. I apologize for the first part of the episode. She had left her keys in the place to begin with. Got back in, but then when she, the door got permanently like, actually got locked, she grabbed her husband's keys. That's what happened. And she goes to try to open the door, but she drops those keys in the gap between the steps. 
Yeah, okay. uh, yes, so I, right. I apologize. I'm sorry, episode. Yeah, I'm so sorry, episode. I was wrong. I am. I'm, I apologize. And that's that's exactly why if you if you don't you're not paying attention, like this is a tight storyline, and there's a lot going on in this um in this what what was it twenty eight minutes? No, no, not even that. Like um, I'll like so. If people want to find this episode, uh, it is available. Uh, just go look for it. You'll find options online that people have put versions of it up. I found one that that actually uh, clipped off um, the HBO intro, and it just starts with the Crypt Keeper, and then it just ends with the Crypt Keeper. It's 20 minutes. Like, it is just... And if you even keep the bookends in there, this thing is... like it, it. There is no breathing room in this script in terms of, like, time time to tell the story. Um, I don't know if I can recall a more densely packed 20 minutes that we've ever covered. I Yeah, I don't know either because there's a lot here and I, I'm glad that it was... It was snipped the way it was because it's just... it. There's a lot to tell here. And even in the original storyline, when it was adapted in 1972, like it, there's, there's a lot there, but it's also part of a movie. So it, it's even cut down even further. So, but the original storyline for, uh, I think it was 1952 that it came out in AC comics. It's the exact same storyline. This is, this is the narrative. Okay. Like there's nothing lost here from what I understand. This is the, 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 the mother she kills the husband and shit goes sideways. So, yeah, well, I think that's also like, um, you know, what we learned that like from that kind of storytelling that with at least with like tales from the crypt that no one ever really ever gets out clean. You know, that's kind of like, it's always about like how bad can something turn out to be? Like, I don't like, and, and, and my watching a tales from the crypt in terms of the TV series is very limited. I don't know if there's been many happy endings and episodes, uh, I don't think there has been. And I think that's kind of their bread and butter is to like, all right, we already know people are screwed. How screwed can we make them? Well, I guess it, it, your interpretation of what a happy ending is, because some of the storylines are kind of like weird and it could be kind of confused for a happy ending. So, you know, your <laughs> mileage might vary. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for goodness sakes, talking about that Monsters episode two weeks ago, we covered, yeah, the couple got out of the house, but it's like, your friends are dead. And you're just like, eh. really dead. And it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, like, hey, you want to go bone? Like, yeah, let's just go do that. Like, what? Like, that's, I mean, it's supposed to be a happy ending, but like you think about it for like more than a second. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> you're right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, so she um, yeah, she gets back in the house, right? Because Well, actually, no, because that's whenever Santa pops back up again, right? After she goes to um, try to get the door open. Yeah, um, so it's like it's like she understands where he fell, supposedly dead, because he busted through that window, and she hit him with the back of the axe. Oh, uh, that's like, right, yeah. Knocked him out. So he fell and was knocked out, supposedly dead, and... You, we see the little girl. She looks out the window and she can see like a snow angel <laughs> of of Santa. That and that's it. And all of a sudden, he's gone. Yeah, there's these nice little shots here and there where we see him like run by windows and things. Right? It's like that's just again, like considering how tight this the story is and how much time they don't have. You mm-hmm. you as a viewer still get the idea of like, oh shit, he's up and running around again, and she doesn't know it yet. 
Like, and it's very, it's very, it works. Right. So that's, um, yeah, that, that, that's again, when we get, um, her, her, like, you know, trying to get the keys and then like, she gets distracted by snow falling off top of her house, but that's when Santa shows up again. Yeah. So we also get, um, the wife, Elizabeth here, she's trying to talk to nine one one again and tell them about what's going on. And, but then she realizes that the dude, the body is not out there anymore. Okay, yeah. The Santa is not there. So what the hell is going on? So she starts racing around, looking around the property and, uh, she can't find him. And she just tells him like, yeah, my husband's dead. Send somebody over right now. And she hangs up on that call. But then she goes to try to find the gun. She knows there's a gun in the house. And when she goes to the closet to get the gun, she can't find it. There's a great view of where the gun is <laughs> yeah. on the top shelf. But she cannot see the gun. It's just her hand searching around aimlessly to try to find it. And then all of a sudden, she sees she sees the Santa out the window. The crazy Santa... And <laughs> when she tries to get out of the closet, that's when the doorknob just falls off. <laughs> yeah. So my question to you is how many closets have you went into that have a window facing outside? I, I mean, once. Actually. <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, fine. Well, I, my, at my old house where I lived, there was a, there was a window window in the closet. Was, were, you, were you ever told like in case Santa tries to break into your house, this is the window that you're going to use for Santa watching. Is that, is that the Santa watching window? Was that? I, no, I never heard that. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, listen, she got crazy here once. So we put the Santa window in here. Um, if he, if he's clowning up a ladder, that's half the size of the house, maybe shorter. Let us know. You know, <laughs> like, I, never, I, I never understood why the window was there, but it was there. So, okay. Well now you know why it's to watch out for, uh, <laughs> You better know, watch out. Uh, Larry, Larry Drake, Santa, you know, like, you know, you never know. Like it, it was right next to the chimney. So <laughs> like you could be uh watch out for, um, you know, uh, giggle claws or whatever, you know, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was great to have just walking, like using the ladder, getting up there and she's like, Oh, but my daughter. And so she, she pulls on the handle and like the whole, like, you know, that might seem timely that the doorknob falls apart, but, um, Terry can speak with authority that the room in which I record in, I have an older door that has kind of a janky doorknob. I I'm just one stressful moment away from that thing falling out of the door. Like I get I, it. You know, I have been there. I have been there multiple times and I don't, <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times where I'm like, help, help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in the bathroom. At, at my place. Or are you just talking in general? Cause I mean, if we need to fix the doorknob here, let me know. Uh, I think well, one time I actually had to climb down my my house because <laughs> I was stuck in my room. <laughs> yeah. Gotta oh. love, love old constructions like that. Oh, you know? my goodness. I mean, we got to Santa prove this house now that I think about it. Thank you for, like, I got it. It might be up to code, but it's not up up, up against, like, you know, home invasion Santa Claus code. Like, um, yeah. Uh, there's a Santa film we need to watch then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be like Home Alone, but instead of the wet bandits, it's Santa. 
You know, like that's that's what that's, people... a, that's a that's a movie. <laughs> that's a that's actually a French film. Oh, is that that Noel? Uh, what is that? Yep. Yeah, Noel yep. one like one nine two or whatever it's called. I've I've never seen it, but uh, I can't remember what the, the, the code yeah. is. But yeah, that's that's actually what it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then that came out first. So <laughs> <laughs> damn it, we had we had a plan. No. Um. So anyway, so we got the whole thing of um. Uh where Santa's climbing up um, the side of the house, but the daughter sees him and she's like, Santa, well, you know, come on. I just, you know, she's just talking to him and it's like, okay, like, can't you see he's bleeding and his teeth are all missing? Okay, great. It really makes me wonder what um, Christmas books the mother was reading to the daughter. If that's the bloody hobo Santa. I don't know why my mind always thinks everybody's a hobo, but maybe that's on me. My default setting for um, like, just like, Oh, it's a hobo. What, was I attacked at a, by a hobo as a kid? I don't know. Let's we'll unpack that later. Well, I mean, his teeth makes me think that he wasn't living where there was toothpaste and toothbrush. So. Oh, England. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if anybody's listening over the pond right now, but no. <laughs> You you could write us a, a strongly worded letter, um, and you can send just send us your gum blood on it to show that you're upset about that statement. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so little girl sees Santa out the window and it's reaching out, grasping for Santa to help help out, and we see that uh, Elizabeth, the mother, is trying desperately to get out of the, the closet and go to help her daughter finally gets out, runs up the steps, opens up the bedroom door and no one's there, but the window is wide open. Mm-hmm. So at that point you think that she might've grabbed the poker that was there by the door frame. Hmm. That, you know, I don't know if you don't have a gun, but you know, you've already killed one man with that poker tonight. Like why not make it two? That's just, you know, that's his good poker thinking, but anyway, so she got runs that poker face. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> uh, so she runs downstairs and he, she sees her daughter. She's like, Oh, you know, Carrie Ann, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're okay. And then she's like, yeah, mommy, I got, I got Santa. And then she pulls Santa, like they're holding hands and she sidesteps and Santa comes into view and, you know, Santa has the ax and, you know, no teeth or whatever. And, uh, um, and that's when he was like looking up at, um, you know, the mom and he was like, you know, naughty or nice. And, uh, and it's just, this is like, it's one of the most like ambiguously dark endings, right? Cause Elizabeth just starts screaming and that's the end of the episode. And I kind of like it. No, I love that because I mean, everything's left to thought at that point. It's not a very gruesome episode in the fact that it's like, well, you do see the, you know, that one poker scene, the, po- uh, the like the poker driven into the head of the husband. But that's pretty much it. Well, there's also there's, the cut across the face that's pretty gruesome with the ice. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. But it's like everything else is left up to interpretation. You know, like you can think what might happen, especially this ending. And that's good storytelling. So, you know, it's like you don't have to go balls to the wall and, like, do anything else. I mean, little girls there, you see the, the, the mother's face and just losing it. 
I think you could put two and two together. Oh, no, for sure. It's just, I like that. Cause I feel like, um, we would have gotten something where, you know, she fought in vain and, and died or whatever. Like it was just one of those, like, uh, kind of a good screw you kind of, it's a good screw you ending of like, Oh, well this is bad. You know, happy holidays. You know, like I, um, I liked it cause it's like, it's, it, you know, it's not ambiguous, but it, <laughs> it's, it's almost kind of like, um, almost kind of like, like black Christmas where it's like, well, yeah, things aren't going to be good. Are they, you know? Right. <laughs> well, and especially if you watch the, uh, the 72 version, like you can understand exactly what's going on, what, what the motives are of the killer. Like, Check that movie out. I mean, I, I can't. I meant to get to it. I, I meant to get to it. And I did not. I, and I'm a fan yeah, great. of um, of Amicus work because I've I've seen. Uh, was it from Beyond, Beyond the Grave? Um, oh, and then some. And I think I've seen Vault of Horror. They they have a the Amicus has a number of what they call they're anthology films, but at the, the time they called them Portman Portmanteau films. And I've seen a few of them, and they're a lot of fun. So yes, I meant to get to this one too, and I just did not get to it before we recorded this episode. Yeah, Vault of Horrors is a good film too. So if you can, if anybody has a chance to check that out, please do so. I mean, Tales from the Crypt, the series as itself, it's like it's a great, it's a great series. There's a lot of good storylines in it. Uh, I think this is the only one that they took from any of those um, film adaptations. Okay, but it was a good one. You know, a really important one, especially if you're talking about the second episode. Why they did it in June, I don't know, but I mean, great episode. And this is kind of those ones. It's like it's you. Um, anytime you make a holiday episode, uh, you, you're almost guaranteed that it's going to show up like in perpetuity, right? Like, right. It, it's just that's the thing, right? Like, so, um, like um, I'll, I'll admit, like, what was it the other night? Um, I sat down and watched. Uh, <laughs> I watched Treevenge. I don't know if you've ever seen Treevenge or not. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's my go-to. My wife has to endure it. Oh, I don't a lot care of what she says. You no, know, people look it up on YouTube. It's like an 18 minute little short film. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we watched that. We watched, um, the, the tales from the dark side episode seasons of belief, which has been covered here on the series. Brother, previously. Yes. And don't then, yeah. And then, um, we ended up watching Night of the Meek, the the season two episode of Twilight Zone, the only Christmas episode they did at the time. So yeah, like there's these things. It's like I don't normally have like a holiday playlist, but those are all like quick hitters, and they're all good. And this is going to be in that list now too for me. Like I don't need to sit down and watch a ton of like you know Christmas movies. It's not really my bag. And I'm not mm. I'm not saying that like um not to drag this out too long. I, I do apologize to everybody. I'm like, I'm not one of those people where it's like, it has to be Halloween 365. My name's Terry. I'm kidding. Uh, but I don't need, uh, um, you know, I, <laughs> tell, tell me where the lie is, Terry. Where's the lie? I mean, I just, I, 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 <laughs> I like to experience the seasons. You some bitch. Yeah, sure. If they're all Halloween all the time, but, uh, so, um, no, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not a big like holidays guy, you know, but there, if there is something like I, like night of the meek was one of my favorite episodes of season two of the original twilight zone. It surprised me at heck how 
just it just hits you right in the heart and it's so it's such a good episode and then tree venge is so much goddamn fun and this is a lot it's of so fun ridiculous and, and, and it's like and, eight minutes yeah it's not very long at all it's a lot of fun <laughs> like to say anything more about it would be to ruin it so people please watch tree venge go find it on youtube um it's a lot of fun uh but and like even like the seasons of belief it's like slightly longer than this and it's a lot of fun and you know like i'm good with this this is this is going to be in my uh my holiday rotation from here on out this was a good call thank you for bringing this to my attention yeah of course and honestly most of my uh, holiday viewing especially when it comes to uh you know something like christmas or halloween i do a lot of little snippet stuff i like doing like episodes that are you know like i don't know uh you know, one of my one of my favorites is um, Roseanne. When it comes to the Halloween stuff, mm-hmm. the Halloween episodes of Roseanne are so good, and um, the Christmas episodes of uh, Married with Children are so good. Those little like you get twenty two minutes, so good, and then you walk away. You don't have to watch movie, yeah. but it's so ridiculous, and there's so much humor like just infused with it. And it just feels so holiday centric. Yeah. It's, that's what I'm saying. Like that's, that's kind of where I find my, my joy in terms of this kind of stuff. So yeah, like I'm glad that you brought this to me and I am glad that everybody, you know, could hear her talk about it and please. Yeah. I mean, even if we, even if you didn't watch this episode yet, it really doesn't ruin anything. Like this is a fun little nasty ride. Please watch it. Cause there's like, we told the story a little out of order. Cause you know, we're not getting paid um, yet. Um, hey, Bobby, Bobby Zemeckis, like hit us up. Um, hey, Bobby, but Bobby Z, Bobby what's Z, up? you know, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just check it out. It's like, it's like 20 minutes. Like you watch Treevenge and <laughs> watch this. No, um, it, yeah, it's fun. And this was kind of, I, I, I hate to say it because this episode's brutal and mean. It's kind of like a good palate cleanser versus Monsterland last week. Huh? Like I wanted to get out of this year on a uh, more enjoyable note because Marshland, that was uh my God, that was, uh, that was a lot darker than I was expecting in terms of like emotional trauma going on. Yeah, that's fair. I, I didn't think that it was going to be a fun ride, but after all that said and done, I wanted something that I can kind of giggle at. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't obviously like a fun little episode oh, no, but it's, it's, a, it's a black comedy it's like darkest night black comedy you know the right. entire time like, yeah you get your comeuppance like elizabeth definitely deserved something after all she had done so yeah and then you mentioned like larry drake as santa with his weird noises and his facial expressions yeah this is this is a hoot um i mean also considering that this time last year you know our holiday episode was a uh, a black mirror episode i think you know i think Terry deserved a win after what I put him through last year. So, um, (laughs) so, so yeah, do you have any other notes? We can all smile. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish it was Christmas every day. Uh, so I, do you have any other notes about the episode? Um, I, I'm just get to the twist. Uh, the only other thing I would say was that it was previously previously adapted in 1972 version of the film to watch what I really talked about. So, yeah, so yeah. Right. check that, check that movie out. It is incredible. Check it out. People. And I will say that as we go forward here on the show, I have no problem taking a moment to get into an amicus film every so often. Like I think that'd Actually, be a lot of fun. There is one, one more note. Yes. Um, and, uh, this is something I found 
uh, at the tail end of our um, discussion, it was in the Vault of Horror, Volume 1, um, number 35. So that's where this story came from. Hmm. Okay. Well, good. Good on you, uh, Encyclopedia Brown, figuring that out. So, um, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, let's just uh, let's read that twist. Uh, twist rating, as we always go here, is one being um, saw it coming and five being mind blowing. Um, I like for me, the twist was the like the story on the story, like I mentioned already, where I didn't see like I mean, you already when you pitched this to me that it was about like a crazy Santa Claus att- like you know attacking someone in a house. I knew to expect that. I didn't expect the like the the front story of the wife trying to kill her husband and then use this as a reason like to be like, oh this is scary but i can get away i'll give that a three because i did not see that coming i'm gonna give it a two uh i knew like from watching this as a i, I really young i watch i my family is demented <laughs> um <laughs> so watching this i was like oh wow she just killed her husband i was like and then you listen to the radio broadcast and everything is like, there's crazy person dressed up as Santa. It's a two. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it sometimes is hard to kind of um, put yourself back in place of like when you first saw a thing. So sometimes mm-hmm. already knowing what's about to happen can color your you know perspective. But no, this is a lot of fun. Everybody should go check it out. I guess it's easily available. I'm also going to guess if you want to be honest citizens, that you can find these episodes episodes to rent like digitally. Like I think that's what I did for the Valentine's Day one that we did. I think that these episodes are individually available to like like rent for like three or four bucks. Um, so you can it, like it's not it's not the hardest thing to find. So please check it out. Yeah, I mean, please check it out. I, I love I love Tales from the Crypt. I have the entire series. Um, I mean, it's incredible. It's something, especially if you love uh, anthology horror. It's something you can put on so easily and just fall asleep like I do. Mm. I don't know why. I'm I'm a weirdo, I guess. Well, so. I just feel like there's some lessons here that like as as much as not to get into it because we just went through a lot of creep show. Um, I think there's a lot of lessons here of like um, efficiency of storytelling that that they might be able to learn from. You know, and but this has been out for years and years and years. I know creep show is trying to forge its own path. But if you can't tell me that Creep Show doesn't have a lot to owe to Tales from the Crypt, I think they can learn some lessons from it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, lessons in, uh, invoked in every episode. So, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, if you if you feel like uh, emotionally compromised, watch Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can find if you have a buy sale trade store nearby, you can find them. Yeah, fair enough. So, all right, that's going to do it for our discussion about and all through the house. Uh, again, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways, um, and you guys can um, email us directly, uh, strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know you like us to cover in the future, any other tales from the crypt episodes. Otherwise, you know, we're down for anything, uh, you know, anthology based or portmanteau based. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Uh, and Terry, you have exciting news about podcast rate and reviewing things and, and how to find us otherwise. Dude, there is big news. Check out Spotify, folks. You can rate 
our podcast now. You wait, can rate all podcasts. Wait, that's, you should that, probably just you should probably just rate our podcast. That, uh, wait, this is big news. Wait, this this kind of news, <laughs> like that kind of news. That kind of news, folks. <laughs> Get in tune with Spotify. If you're not listening on Spotify, rate and review us on that format. But if you are listening on Spotify, please do us a great favor and go and rate our podcast. It's just a simple, you know, five star review. If you yeah. had, if you had one Christmas wish, Terry, what would it be? Uh, that everybody would give us a five star review. I was hoping for world peace, but yes, also a five star review on Spotify. Oh, I, oh, uh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and and a PlayStation Five. If people wanted to give me one, it'd be fine. Uh, but also, uh, how how else can people find us? We are on Instagram. We are getting back up and motivated and finally posting things on Instagram. It's been a hard road people. I and just, I'm sorry about that. I just feel like I, I the, 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 what's the analogy in my mind, if I can explain this properly is that in my brain, and I, I know we talked about this one time, we had that amazing stories episode with um, the, 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 the plane missing the landing gear and they're like, we're going to have to land this thing on the belly. I always feel like that's where I'm at this time of year of like, it's not going to be a clean landing, but we got to bring this thing down. That's where my motivation level is. It's like, well, I have to land this somehow, you know, but you know, like maybe cartoon wheels will show up and we'll save the belly gunner. I don't know, Terry, at this point, my motivation, that belly gunner is toast, but we're going to land I, that plane. I hear you, brother. <laughs> I hear you. And I, we, we need you folks. We, we need you love. Yeah. Uh, I hopefully you're listening and you're hopefully you're following along and sharing all this because, um, we're just two guys and we're, we don't get any, uh, kind of funding from any other outside companies. We're doing this just out of love. And, uh, we would really appreciate all that, um, feedback and ratings and, Maybe it, it's making some kind of difference to you guys. So, well, I, hope, no, I, I, mean, I believe it is. I think people enjoy this and I, I appreciate everybody listening. And then again, share it. If you enjoy it, let other people know. Uh, the more the merrier. I mean, we're not, we're not in the pocket of big podcast, right? I don't even know what that means. Um, I mean, if people want to sponsor the show, we would be in your pocket, please. Like we'll, we'll, um, well, promote. I mean, if the price is right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're horse. It's fine. Like, we'll, we'll, um, a meal kit, uh, thing or a mattress or, I don't know, um, buying gold. I wouldn't do that, but, you know, whatever. Just let us know. Uh, reverse mortgages wouldn't do that either. But yeah, we, we're, we're like, we're for sale, but for now, we're free and we do this out of love. But if you want to pay us, anyway, that's the thing <laughs> there. Um, so, we're for sale folks. No, but no, please. If you enjoy the show, enjoy the conversation, enjoy watching along uh, again, the more the merrier. Cause I know, um, there's so many podcasts out in the world now. And as I say this, there's probably 18,000 more coming online. Um, and it's, it's a very, very oversaturated space and it's really hard to end up in anybody's listening list. Right? So if you enjoy it and you think other people will, that's all right. Like just, you know, Hey, everybody just check it out, you know? And, uh, we greatly appreciate that. We, we appreciate the chance to be heard. So if you give us a chance, I, I hope we don't disappoint. Um, I sometimes think that we're insightful. Not always. I think we're funny. Not always, but please. Well, you are, but oh, maybe not whatever. so much, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, thank you guys so much. If you've been following along, if you're listening right now, thank you so much. 
I know this is uh, kind of our end of the year statement here, but uh, we really appreciate it, and we hope you are doing well. Yes. And uh, we uh, we love you guys, and we hope to have you continue to listen and share the podcast. Perfect. So that's gonna that's gonna pivot us into what we're doing next. And now. Mr. Serling. So we're taking the week off for the holidays. We're, we're taking the week off for Christmas and New Year's. However, um, when we come back in 2022, as I have been teasing since like what, mid-September, we're getting into the 1980s version of the Twilight Zone. Um, this is very exciting. It's very daunting because this is um, a little bit more unfamiliar territory because they're, um, you know, I don't have like seven resource books behind me to make me sound smartful about this. So it's going to be a little different uh, type of show. I cannot wait though. This is going to be very exciting. Um, Terry and I, we've made a decision um, that since there are technically 65 episodes of the eighties twilight zone, however, their formatting is a little different than what we have known from the Serling uh, series and the Jordan Peele series. Okay. So most of the episodes are hour longs, I believe. However, they're broken up into like two, more often than not, it's either two segments or three. So instead of trying to approach each segment, each episode and get to each segment, each episode here, meaning like, like, um, episode, sorry, episode one of season one is two stories. Um, instead of covering both in one episode, what we're going to do and we can give us feedback if you guys like this or don't like this, cause this is still kind of up in the air, but I think this is the best way through is that we're each episode of Strange Highways that we do in regards to the 80s, 80s Twilight Zone is going to be doing um, with each individual segment. Uh, that way we get time to dig into the cast and the story and we're not rushing through and we can have a nice conversation. So with that being said, the next episode we're going to be doing of Strange Highways, the first episode of the Twilight Zone 80 series is going to be season one, episode one, part one. It's called Shatterday, um, and it's uh, directed by Wes Craven. Never heard of him. Kidding. But it says, uh, here, here's a little more about it. Um, Peter Novins accidentally dials his own phone number, which is answered by his alter ego. So we're covering the first half of episode one, and then we'll get into the second half of episode one, the next episode. I think for, for now, I mean, you know, we'll see how this goes. I think this is the best way forward, so that way we can actually dig into each story and not shortchange it. I'm excited. Uh, I hope you guys are excited as well. Um, it's been a long time coming, and I'm so looking forward to Twilight Zone. Yeah, as am I. We, we've taken a break. We've taken our detours. We're going to take detours in the future, but it's kind of nice to have a little bit of like space from what we've already covered and then getting into this. So everybody have a good, a good holiday, a safe holiday. Remember on the 25th of December, it's Rod Serling's birthday. So watch some twilight zone. Then I'm sure sci-fi will have its new year's day marathon. Check that out as well. So in the meantime, watch twilight zone, have a good time. Um, I don't know if you're going to kill your husband already. Um, like, I don't know, have a dolly available. That sounds like that make it easier. Son of a bitch.